When last we left our hero on stage in New York, he was performing in Hadestown, which was what, 2019 Tony winner? 2019, eight Tony Awards, yep. Wow, that's incredible. But obviously you've been hit like everybody has with COVID. There, there's nothing going on on the Great White Way right now in New York. Nope, we were approaching nearly a year. We were at Hadestown, we were in the middle of a rehearsal, I think March 12th. And we're approaching a year of not having any shows running on Broadway or in New York. Wow. Well, for anybody who's not been an actor for any time in their life, you know that acting means that working is the least thing you do. I mean, getting paid for work as an actor. When you're on, you're on and you're doing eight shows a week. But mm -hmm. when you're off and you don't have a gig, you're waiting tables, uh, bartending, or if you're smart, you're doing what you're doing, which is you're creating an online community for performers and people who are, let's call them performer adjacent or mm -hmm. lover, lovers of theater, because I'm going to guess, and we haven't talked about this and I don't know, but I'm going to guess that the majority of the people in your community are people who love New York theater, who love dance, who love music, who want to reach out and touch it, even though they might have a life you know, here in Wisconsin or someplace else in the United States or even abroad, but they can actually interact with Broadway performers in a first person way. And that's via a community called Performers Puzzle. Can you give us a, a quick download on what that's about? Yeah. So when this pandemic hit, I have always been the type of performer who was very motivated and was really good at taking the time to invest in myself and, and go to a practice room for an hour and go dance. And when this first, when the rug was like pulled out from under all of us as, an, as a community, it was really hard for me to do that. And it took me a couple of months. And then in order to try to get re-motivated again, I just started turning on some amazing songs that I knew I would love to dance to. And I started choreographing for the first time kind of in my life. And it launched a two-week workshop that I did over the summer where I was going through choreography from movie musicals and ending with The Greatest Showman, which I got to be a part of. So I taught the original choreography from Greatest Showman. And I realized there was such a desperate need for us to feel that sense of connection and to re-engage in that like artistic plane that we all have, not just for people who are performing on Broadway, but like you said, lovers of theater and like-minded people who just supported this community and support the arts. So based on that idea of, of that need, I launched Performer's Puzzle, which the metaphor behind it is over time, I kind of have learned for myself, it is not my job as an actor to try to fit into somebody else's puzzle that's being created. It is a much healthier mindset for me to really define who I am, what I'm capable of, and to just showcase that and bring that into the room of an audition so that if it doesn't go my way, then it just wasn't a good fit. And, and hopefully, you know, the, the, the right fit will come along, but it's a much healthier mindset to stay true to yourself. And I actually think it attracts a lot more success um, when you are strongly defined in who you are and what you're possibly capable of. So out of that, I launched the idea of Performer's Puzzle. And we focus a lot on re-engaging and reigniting our true sense of, of why we of, and how and why we connect to music and dance and the performing arts. So it's a beautiful global community 
And the overarching idea is that dance is a human behavior and doesn't necessarily have to be just for performers who are pursuing this as a full-time career. And I gear the choreography to that idea to allow for a full spectrum of capabilities to feel welcome and be able to participate in our classes. We dance live together every Wednesday night. Every class is available for download. We have a couple of features in the beginning of the month, at the end of the month, all circling around um, one common theme. We've had Tony Award winners, Tony nominees come dance, come be interviewed. And it has really become this really magical community that has connected in a way that was so necessary during this time of isolation. And it's never going to be the connection that you feel when you go to live theater, that, that whatever happens in those two and a half hours is so special. And I think we will still be all craving it desperately. But for now, what we're doing like helps recreate a version of that and is, in, is helping keep me motivated and focused and inspired. And that's, and that's where we're at right now with Performance Puzzle. And when you say it's for everybody, any type, any capability, whatever, you aren't kidding because I'm looking at your Instagram feed right now and it features, I think this was last week or seven days ago, whatever it was. You had a very special person on there who I recognize from the Tony Awards show because her performance as Ado Annie in Oklahoma won the Tony for Best Supporting Actress in a Musical. Is that yep. right? Yep. The, the incredible Ali Stroker. Yeah. And what I mean by that is especially that she's wheelchair bound. She mm -hmm. is a, a differently abled performer who managed to get a... Tony Award because she was completely true to who she is in a way that was so magnetic that the second she came on stage, that's where the eyes went of every person in the audience. I remember seeing mm -hmm. that performance going, oh my God. And I've seen Oklahoma, like everybody, way too many times. And Ado <laughs> Annie is supposed to be the funniest part and never is. And then you see someone who brings a level of humor and sexuality and sensuality to it that's like, now I get it. And that's tremendously exciting. And I imagine that your community probably loved that. If anybody's going to really embody the idea of not fitting into, you know, somebody else's idea of, of their puzzle, it's Ali Stroker. I mean, you know, there was no way she was ever going to fit into somebody's idea or, or a puzzle that was already being created because there had never been room for an actor in a wheelchair before. So it was an amazing opportunity to sit down with her and to kind of figure out how did she do it? How aware was she of what she has accomplished and how aware was she of the strategies and the lessons she had to learn in order to eventually go on to be the, you know, to win a Tony Award and be the first person in a wheelchair to be seen on the Tony Awards. I mean, it was, it was amazing. So she also, going back to this other reoccurring theme of dancing as a human behavior, like Allie is still a dancer, you know, not in the, a traditional sense, but I'm not a t dancer in a traditional sense. And that's something that I don't think is taught enough. There's a lot of academic approach to theater these days where they try to like, you know, strip you down and, and, and then build you back up again. And I think we are losing sense of that original fire of why we are pursuing this as a career, why we're, we're majoring in this and, and choosing to go into this very difficult industry and business. And it's something that I really think should be practiced more 
and discussed more. And that's one thing that we're, I'm really proud of what we're doing every class. What does a class look like? If somebody were to join the community and wanted to participate in the class, how does that work? So we have a membership where everybody can communicate via the message board and communicate and connect that way. We have a live interview called a feature called the missing piece where we interview somebody and we go live and every member can be throwing in questions and get their personal comments and questions answered. At the end of each month, the cycle of each month, we do a feature called Connecting the Pieces, where I sit down with another performer, Broadway performer, and we we have a, a specific discussion conversation there. And then every Wednesday night, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we connect and everybody gets a Zoom link and we have a, a theme for each month's cycle. Currently, we are celebrating self-love and I choreograph and choose music and do the work each week to find something that I think we will connect and relate to and make sure that everybody can approach it where whatever level they're, they're coming from. And if you can't make the live class, then you can download the class. It's up about an hour after. And you have access to uh, the last three months of classes so that if you ever need to take a class and feel that sense of motivation and just dance it out during the week, you can go download a class and take it from home. The marketer in me instantly looks at this from the point of view of, okay, who is in your target audience for mm -hmm. purchasing a membership? And I'm like, okay, in my head, it's someone who is involved or loves the arts, specifically dance and music, and probably a little bit of uh, Broadway musical. You know, they love that part of their life. They want to be active. But the idea of going to a Orange Theory or a 24-hour fitness to sit there and lift some weights has no appeal whatsoever. But if you said, do you like Greatest Showman, the movie musical? You're going to learn the dances from that. And you're going to be able to dance along with some of the people who are in the cast. And you're going to be part of a community who knows the words to every single song in the movie. And then we'll happily geek out afterwards on what's your favorite scene or what's your favorite costume or, you know, blah, 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 whatever. What you're doing is you're you're identifying tribe members, mm -hmm. you know, literally the people who are like, yeah, I, I don't like to call it working out. But if you say it's it's dance. Yeah, I'm all over that. Mm -hmm. and, and do you know how? OK, Broadway would not exist if there was no such thing as ex theater majors, you know, seriously, for because, sure, because <laughs> all of us are like, oh, I just love this. I miss this. It, it, it's almost like going to church for some people in terms mm -hmm. of that spiritual battery filling, you know, that and recharge. There was, and, and the idea of what dance class had become specifically in New York, like Broadway Dance Center and Steps, you know, there's an intimidation around going to a dance class and working with a choreographer. You know, it's, it's not like you can really let your guard down. There's no comfort level when you're taking a class with Andy Blankenbuehler, choreographer of Hamilton, because you want to you you want to be in his next show. You know, right. it's like an audition. Right. And I, I recognized early on that this Zoom world was very safe and allowed people to kind of explore for themselves without the expectation that I'm going to help get you a job. So it takes all of the edge off, but it's still you get to have the, the access to Broadway performers and Broadway music and that sense of community that you can connect with, but from the safety of your, or, you know, wherever you're taking class. You know what your product really is? This is my humble opinion. It's what? joy. It's literally joy. 
you get to, uh, every Wednesday night may be the most joyous night of your week because you get to. It is for me. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. What kind of stuff do you have coming up with Performer's Puzzle? I mean, I'm always trying to find ways to connect with other fun communities and other great artists. One time we had, we were dancing a number from The Wild Party and Julia Murney popped into class. We were dancing to her song. I have something similar coming up planned where I like to support my fellow artists who are putting out, you know, have done some tremendous work making records and writing songs during this time. And now I like to highlight them and bring them into the community. And then not only their song, but then bring them as a person into the community. So I have a couple of those coming out. So it sounds like you're kind of this our man in Havana for anybody who loves New York <laughs> theater. So like, again, I, in my head, I'm going, okay, let's, let's take that dance teacher in Wausau, Wisconsin, who's now in minus 20 degree weather going, Ooh. And teaching the same stuff to the same kids who are not necessarily inspiring their love of dance. They could join your group, your community, and every Wednesday night get an injection of of white hot New York musical theater music. You're curating people. You're literally curating. These are the people I find interesting. I know you will, too. So mm -hmm. there's that level too. So, wow, you are like an ambassador for anyone in your community to that whole New York thing that we would all love to be insiders of. Yeah. And I, and I, I love that description of it because that's exactly what I would try to do. And I also am trying to connect, connect people in this time of, of isolation. I mean, the other week I had a tremendous opportunity. I finally brought the choreography from Hades town into the community. I waited because I was like, this is a strong card to play. And I allowed people to come in and just and just drop in for the first time into one class. Then I had my entire membership. And then I had a really cool dance community from Australia who wanted to take it at the same time. So all together, we had about, you know, over 100 people globally learning the choreography of Town. It was really, really exciting and such a unique opportunity. Yeah, that type of experience. I mean, obviously, we're all kind of in our COVID bubbles. Your community is actually creating links between those COVID bubbles in a way that you may have to be sequestered by yourself. That doesn't mean you're alone. And for any theater kid around the country, I, I'm thinking, who did that great speech? Was it Neil Patrick Harris? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But being the theater kid. Yeah. yeah, this is for all the theater kids out there who, you know, dream and all that stuff. My God, that spoke to the soul of so many people that, you know, mm -hmm. even people like me who gave up on the dream a long time ago in order to do the nonfiction brand podcast, among other things. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, you're thriving in. Well, you know, it, it it's me leaning into the completely true part of me, which is 
I've always been this, well, even as an actor, everyone knew me as that kind of cerebral actor, you know, that mm. not mm-hmm. the, not the Marlon Brando method guy, but the, mm, hmm, 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 the, the, the still waters that run deep. But you know what I mean? There are actors who are like, oh, that, that guy's pure emotion. And the other one is more Jeremy Irons, more, huh, there's a lot going on there. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so anyway, enough about me. This is about you, Tim <laughs> Hughes. Tim Hughes of Broadway fame, of The Greatest Showman fame, of Town fame, of Frozen fame. And also of Brookfield, Wisconsin. Yeah, <laughs> which, which freaks me out because I grew up in Shorewood, Wisconsin, which is on the, uh, you know, the lake side, you know, Brookfield. Great, on, theater, great theater program. Yeah, which I was part of, which is which is where my theater, you know, I, I fell in love with theater when I was in third grade and there was a teacher in service day and they had the, quote, smarter kids come to do a improv thing. Mm hmm. First time I got a laugh, boom, I'm in. And then I went to Shorewood High School with Barb Gensler, who was the director there at the time. And, oh, she was, she was tough. But that's what we loved about her. To be in her shows was like, that. that, it's like, you know, you're from Wisconsin, you'll appreciate this. It's like playing football for the Green Bay Packers under Vince Mm -hmm. Lombardi. Even though mm-hmm. I know you didn't watch the Super Bowl, and frankly, neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. I have another. I have another classmate of mine who went on to play in, in the NFL. He's very successful. Joe Thomas from Brookfield Central High School. And when I compare the levels of success, I was like, oh, we both have like reached the top level of the industry that we've chosen to be a part of. And I was like, in our and our paychecks couldn't be more different. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But, uh, you know, you'll be able to do this the entire rest of your life because I want to talk about this because oftentimes it's really helpful to have someone who shows you it's possible. And I'm guessing there's a, a predecessor to you named Tommy Toon. Yeah. And anybody who remembers the Broadway musical turned into a movie with Carol Channing, Hello Dolly, might remember this six foot seven guy playing Ambrose, what whatever his name is. That's uh, exact Kemper, I think his last name. Yeah, yeah, Ambrose Kemper. And big, gangly, long-legged, really, really entertaining. And here's the thing a lot of people don't know about Tommy Toon. He got more Tony Awards for his choreography than his onstage performance. Director choreographer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was Tommy Toon kind of the see it to be it? I can see him, I can be it inspiration for for you moving, doing what for you're sure. doing? For sure. I mean, I, I, yes. I, I, and it wasn't just Tommy Toon who, he definitely was the leader in paving the way, in breaking the mold. You know, when I was talking with Allie in my program, she was like, there was, there's been nobody who's paved the way. And I was like, you know, I credit... Tommy Toon for pushing that door open. You know, Allie now has pushed the door open for a whole different community, which is beautiful. But definitely Tommy Toon. Jerry Mitchell went on um, as a Broadway dancer, went on to be a director choreographer. People in my life, you know, I've worked with Bill Ryle, who is currently in The Wicked Company. He's about a couple inches shorter than me, like 13 Broadway shows. I have a dear friend of mine, Mark Shamil, who, who was also on that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang tour. A tall dancer from dancing behind Patty Lapone at the Tonys for Anything Goes. There have been a lot of people who have who have paved the way. 
And I'm so, so grateful for that. But I do think that what my unique puzzle piece still has is an athleticism that is unique to the to my background that allows me to get really low and stay very grounded. And that's yeah. where Tommy Tune and I and a lot of those other dancers differ because they stay very light on their feet and they're beautiful tappers and there's a, a gorgeous port de and a buoyancy and yeah. I can get down. And that's the difference. And that's where I feel like I am kind of, I, I definitely have been driving on that path that has been paved for me. But now I feel like I'm reaching a point where I'm kind of making my own little path from here. But for sure, I mean, amazing, wonderful legends and icons have come before me who have made me feel like, yes, this is possible. I also remember a childhood book that my mother strategically would read to me called Boy Can He Dance. And it was really encouraging and a really encouraging book, especially at that time in Wisconsin, to read a story about a family. It was like an Italian family who had a famous chef as the father was really encouraging this young boy to dance. And that really was like super inspiring for me too. So little pockets of feeling like the representation representation existed already and that helped inspire me. I, I think those little things are like little permission slips. It's like mm -hmm. you have permission to even think this because other people have, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not suggesting that you are a carbon copy of Tommy Tune or anything like that. What I'm saying, I totally get what you're talking about when it comes to your physicality and dance, your athleticism, because there's a huge difference between light, 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 light and great, 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 great grounded grit. Mm -hmm. And that undoubtedly is what got people responding to you the way they did in the Los Angeles Times article, where they talk about you having this presence and and all that stuff. And kudos to you for uniting the kind of twin halves of your movement styles. You've got mm -hmm. the dance style, but you've also got the athleticism of sports as well, mm -hmm. which, you know, again, having been on both sides of the casting table, you know, as an actor and as casting for commercials and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Something you said earlier just really struck me, which is when you see someone who comes in and they know who they are and they aren't some kind of braggart or fronting idiot or anything like that, but you, you can sense it and it's magnetic. And mm -hmm. when, when they're done and you have nothing on your face that indicates whether they have a chance or not, they don't care. If that is power, I don't know about you, but when I did auditions, the jobs I didn't care if I got are the ones that I would get. It's the mm -hmm. ones that I really, really wanted. They could smell the desperation. Yeah. You know, anyway, kudos to you for doing that. Do you see directing and choreography in your future? To be honest, I, I didn't. Right now, I don't know. I mean, based on the fact that I'm able to choreograph a new combination every week, I'm like, oh, I do have this vocabulary, this skill that I'm kind of fine tuning as this year goes on. Granted, choreographing for a show is very different than choreographing for a community for a virtual Zoom class every week. But as far as things that you have to take into consideration and then translate that through movement and connect with a song, I'm, I'm definitely sharpening that tool and those skills, and I'm finding so much joy in doing it. So I, I, I wouldn't say no to it. I, it definitely has opened up a whole new world for me as far as considering myself as a potential choreographer or director. 
which I would love to do. But I, I do think that right now my, my focus is still my performance, is still performing first. And we'll see, you know, I, it's, it's been really fun to discover a new skill set in, in my toolbox this year. Well, and I think what you're doing is you're lifting weights. You, mm-hmm. you literally, and you're not lifting the heavy weight of doing a, a three hour musical. No, you're, you're doing a class. And so you're, you're lifting the 15 pound weight, not the 500 yep. pound weight. Well, mm-hmm. the more you lift that 15 pound, the more comfortable it is. And then you're grabbing that 20 pound and then you're, you're gradually leveling up, you know, like doing this podcast, whenever I'm talking to anyone who's serious about growing their personal brand. And especially if you want to be a professional speaker, you know, where you're paid to present on whatever subjects you speak about. I always tell them, start a podcast. The barrier to entry is zero. I mean, (laughs) uh, once you've got your basic mic set up and all that stuff, and you've done it a few times, it costs me $5 a month to host the podcast on a (laughs) podcast host. I mean, $5 (laughs) a month. I I think I can invest that. I, I can invest less than a coffee in my personal brand by doing a podcast every week as I have for this right now is about 130 episodes or something like that. Wow. But here's the thing. It's a, it's a bit of a task. Yeah. But but for me, I am lifting weights. I'm Mm -hmm. getting better at my mic technique at my audio editing. I'm, I'm, I'm leveling up these skill sets so that in uh, without going into detail, I did what I did in my twenties which was I did improv comedy for five years. I have Hmm. zero fear on stage because there's no fear like getting up and not knowing what you're doing in an improv show. That fear has been burned out of me, you know, and I'm sure you could probably have similar experiences where your first show, you're probably scared to death. And I'm not saying you don't get, uh, but well, let me say that, let me put it this way. I'm sure there's probably some fear, but you as a professional have flipped fear flipped that coin over and turned and looked at the excitement side of fear. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm excited and I'm excited because I'm prepared. And you were talking about luck in last week's episode. Luck is huge. But the thing about luck is what's that old saying? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yep, exactly. You were prepared. The opportunity came. And like, I think I was watching an interview with you where you mentioned the fact that you got the greatest showman because a friend of yours was auditioning for it. And they said, you, you need to talk to my friend. Can you tell us that was, story? Yeah. That, and that's really, the, that's really the turning point in, in my career, in, in my height story, because, you know, when I was starting out and I was trying to dummy down my height, I was never saying that I was six, seven, my resume read like six, five, sometimes six, six, just to try to get in the room. And I had been playing the role of the monster in Young Frankenstein. I played it up at Main State Music Theater. I played it at the Muni and I was making it my own. And I was dancing on these like six, seven inch platform tap shoes. And I was doing all of the dance for putting on the Ritz, which usually the monster kind of like there's a shadow player and he like goes off to stage right and somebody else does it. Right. No, I was doing it all. So I was like creating a, a, a niche for myself. And my friend had, was having dinner with the director of The Greatest Showman, who loves to talk about his projects, Michael Gracie. And she being from Buenos Aires and being the amazing, confident woman she is, was like, well, my friend has to be in your show. And he was like, what? She was like, you have to meet my friend. You, if you're looking at the time was for 
the giant in the greatest showman for those of you who've seen it it better be on your list sorry it's on my list i'm gonna watch it (laughs) so i was originally being considered for a giant role so i was very honest with my height i was like well i'm six seven you know i'm very tall and they they eventually shifted and they're like we're we're looking for somebody who's actually going to be well over seven feet but casting had said you're already on the radar of the director. You should, uh, we should we're going to bring you in to dance this choreography because they, they don't know that you can really dance like this. So then I danced for the rest of the oddities and I went through the whole process of that and, and I'm saying, and we're, we're doing sides at the final call for that on camera because it's for film, they tape everything. I had to step forward and slate my name and my height. And I was like, oh gosh, this is the where I usually defaulted to try to blend in. You know, I tried to fit into the world that I thought they were creating. And I had to come clean. And I was like, I'm Timothy Hughes, I'm six, seven. And then we danced it out. And luckily that is what they wanted. They wanted to find these unique eccentric oddities to fill this world of the, of the circus. And I was, uh, and I just happened to have that distinguishing quality in my height. So when I got it, it was such a shift for me. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, like this is an asset. This will always be this will always make it or break it. And I have to, I have to look at it like it's going to make it for me. And that helped really shift the mindset. I went straight into auditions at the end of filming for Frozen. And the original concept for that was my character rose up out of the ground and kind of became this set piece and then opened up this huge cape to start the show. And they wanted me to be as tall as I could to do it, to, to fill that effect. So as soon as I kind of started embracing it in that way, the the floodgates of of success and consistency started coming my way. And I always say it's, it's definitely like the Oprah effect. Like in hindsight, I can talk about it and be like, well, this is how, you know, this is what you can do. It's not, it's easier said than done, but it's something that I try to instill in, in my program, in students to start working on that now. Cause I do think that that will eventually lead to more success and a healthier mindset. Exactly. And that's exactly what the foundation of nonfiction branding is about. Embracing the completely true, completely you truth of who you are, what you do and how you do it, and then communicating that to the world. So communicating that you're six foot seven, communicating via demonstration that you can dance, not like, oh, look at the funny tall guy dance, but oh my God, I've never seen anybody dance like that because there's this combination of testosterone and technique. And grace. Still got grace. Okay, well, (laughs) I'm not saying you're not graceful, dude. (laughs) But, But I am saying that you are unique and consequently, you're finding your place in your own puzzle. You're literally getting back to your analogy or your your mm-hmm. working metaphor for performers puzzle, which is an online community and membership that is open to anybody around the globe. Tell us how that works. Like if I wanted to join performers puzzle today, what would I do? If you want to check it out, you can um, check out the, the Instagram handle Performers Puzzle. You can also learn more details about the membership at performerspuzzle.com backslash join. That breaks down what you get out of a membership. And there's some fun clips from classes that we've done and some footage that you can check it out, both on the Instagram and on the page and on the web website. But we are having we're having an amazing time. And it's really, it started off as just an idea. And I I can truly say that it's working for this global community. And it's been 
um, such a beautiful thing to be a part of at a time when it's really difficult to feel connected, especially for anybody in the theater community. But it has been so great to connect with every every week, every class, every opportunity that I can. And I hope you'll check it out. And please reach out to me if you're interested. Well, definitely do. If you love New York, if you love musical theater, if you love dance, if you love music, if you love being involved in a community that is truly global and does not care where you happen to be, this is a great way to, to get your itch scratched, if you will. So definitely check it out. The Performer's Puzzle is the handle on Instagram. That's a great way to get started. There is a link in your profile on Instagram. I mm-hmm. noticed that. So that's probably the easiest place to go. So Instagram, look for Performer's Puzzle, and you will find your way to the world of Tim Hughes. What a great conversation. I truly appreciate it. And coming into this conversation, I didn't know what to expect because mm-hmm. I did know it was going to be interesting because you're a friend of Molly Mahoney. And let me tell you, anybody who can hang with her is definitely going to be a good time. But (laughs) I had no idea that your performer's puzzle was going to be so aligned with what I'm trying to do with nonfiction branding, especially when it comes to discovering your piece, being true to the your piece, completely true, and get over the fact of trying to fit in someone else's puzzle. Mm -hmm. I love that as an idea, you know, so definitely check that out. Well, that's it for this episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I would love for you to like, subscribe, refer, and review it wherever you get this fine podcast for free because that helps other people find it. I'm DP Knutin, and he is... Tim Hughes. Thank you so much for being on, and for the rest of you, I'll be talking at you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>